Hello, and welcome to the Games About Glory. I'm your host, Milo, and joining me are Gareth and Steph. Hello, guys. Hello, mate. Hi, Steph. I mean, Milo. Brilliant <laughs> from last week. Sorry, I'm, no, this week. <laughs> I would say it appears that everyone's sat in the wrong seats today. I'm not sure what this means for this week's pod, but um, should we just give it a go and run with it? <laughs> uh, uh, it's going to be a masterful display of hostmanship, I believe. Hostmanship? I believe is, that, is that a word? I don't know. I've Sounds just like made Stuart it up. Pierce word, didn't it? I'm a writer. I can make up words and declare <laughs> as official language. So yes, it is a word. <laughs> um, so this week uh, we're kind of looking at where we are. You know, we're eight games into the season. We've been playing some great football. We've won six out of our eight. Sorry, six out of the eight we've played, and one of the only two clubs in, who remain unbeaten in the Premier League. So the vibes are immense, and everything is positive in N17, which got us thinking: Can we keep this up? Uh, yeah, how have we done so far this season? And uh, yeah, how does it compare to similar starts we've had in the past? So before we get to kind of the deep data and the analysis and what have you, and as we approach the kind of quarter point of the season, I think quarter point of the season is half time against Palace, by my reckoning. How are we feeling as we as we get a quarter, a quarter into the season? Steph? Oh, good. I'll get to go first. Well, I feel positively giddy. Uh, this is... Uh the best I've felt about the club in, in, in some years. Um, I don't really want to drill down too far, but uh, probably since Potch's second season, you know, I, it just feels fantastic right now, you know, um, and we'll be getting into this later, but there is a, a level of congruence within the various uh, areas of the football club right now and, and the club in general, which is uh, positively uh, dizzy to me, dizzying to me so over to you gareth this is a relay between us we're running a relay so i'm handing you the baton now yeah i'm cautiously optimistic that my cautiously optimistic feeling at the start of the season was a little bit conservative um sorry hang on (laughs) i I wrote that down beforehand so if it doesn't make sense no it's brilliant no 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 you you couldn't have said it any better for you it's brilliant (laughs) it's fantastic um yeah I, i feel like we're at the bottom of a mountain and we're heading up it and um, I do think a lot of this is linked just to how bad the last four years have been. So I think it's a certain amount of relativity about how good we're feeling at the moment. Um, I, th- I think lots of people are given the um, you know the metaphor of coming out of prison and, and tasting freedom for the first time in in years. And good it grief. does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? Um, that we had that it, it had to be better. And that supporter saying that I know people within the club sort of who are who are on that side of things feel the same way as well. So are you suggesting you know, that Antonio really Conti was the jailer, like in Midnight Express? <laughs> uh, which, well, that kind of runs into the next question. So, yeah, have we exceeded your expectations? I think if you're being kind of conservatively conservative, Gareth, I'm assuming the answer to that is yes. Yeah, so I I thought at the start of the season we'd have a bit of a 2014-15 season, which was which was Potch's first year, where we had some real high ups. It took a bit of a while to get into it. There were a few downs in there as well, but we had we had quite a decent season. So that's what I anticipated we'd have this year. But I'm now thinking it might be more of a 2015-16 season, which was the which was the Leicester year, which is that we just find something we just find a bit of a formula that works for us and we run with it and we do exceed expectations um now i yeah there's obviously lots of lots of things that that was the leicester year um not quite sure that will pan out quite the same way um but yeah i i think we're much further on in the plan than i anticipated we would be is what i'm clumsily looking to try and say and i think that kind of that caution is I mean, it was quite what you know widespread, wasn't it? And you know, we we're all led to believe that Andrew started reasonably slowly elsewhere. And certainly at Celtic, he he had a few games. He was a few games into the season before he started winning, wasn't he? And then there was a kind of massive uptick. Was was that how you were feeling, Steph, at the beginning of the season? Uh, look, I, I can I can only say this: uh, anyone who says they saw this coming is fibbing slightly. I mean, they have to have been because it's not just about the managers coming in; it's about the situation that was at the club that he was coming into. And I don't think anyone could have predicted that it would have all come together as well as it has at this point. So, absolutely, it exceeded my expectations. And I am one of the, you know, the flag waving optimists around here, as you know, the hopeless optimists. Actually, uh, as as you well know, um, Milo, I'll. I'll better coffee on any ludicrous thing that's going around so you know not even i would have better coffee on us being top right now not just that but in the manner in which it's been achieved so a hundred percent has exceeded my expectations yes yeah i mean i was pretty confident that we'd we'd he'd start okay and that we wouldn't have that it wouldn't be a repeat at the start celtic so i I was i think i said on the pod as well that i I thought um 
we'd start better than most people were expecting, but that wasn't um, in the expectation of us being top at you know as we reach the kind of the October uh, international break. So yeah, I mean in that sense, it's it's exceeded my expectations. And I think also you know when you look at the, kind of the speed that all the players have settled in, all of the new signings have just hit the ground running straight away. And I don't think anyone would have expected that. There haven't really been any flops. I suppose Solomon's the closest you could probably say to that. And you know he's not terrible. He's he's a useful squad player. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the speed that everyone's settled, the way we're playing football, the way they've adapted to the tactics. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Steph. I don't think anyone was predicting that back in, back in August, early August. And to your point, even with Solomon, I mean, you know, he has been a highly functional member of this squad this season without being spectacular. Uh, the uh, misfortune for him in measurement to other signings this season is they have all been pretty spectacular. So, you know, he's, he's, he's doing a great job. I mean, you know, but as you said, he's, probably the least he's not as good as the others i mean that's the basic yeah. you know as a squad player he's fine which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which i think what i said i mean what what has pleased you most so far this season i think we've probably covered it have we or, or is there anything we've missed yeah well really it's just how quickly things have come together so it's a it's a brand new system it's notoriously difficult to transition from playing a back three to a back four but we, we seem to have taken that on board very very quickly and the fact there's so many young players in the team who you, you can assume are only going to get better mm. departmental congruence <laughs> probably sounds like a song title doesn't it, or something like that i don't know but it is it's that way that we've managed to fit all the pieces of this puzzle and a football club is more than just uh the pitch we know that that's the case if you want things to I, work but the fact it's come together so quickly has been uh, uh delightful i think it was a style council b-side actually so <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Departmental congruence. <laughs> it's all I hear that, that Paul Weller voice. <laughs> oh yeah, all of that. All of that's pleased me. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I think I think the vibes. I think actually, you know, right from the off this season, I think you know we we can. I'm sure we, yeah, we're going to go on and talk about you know results and comparing it to other seasons and everything else. But actually, I think you know I'm sure we'll talk about the impact the manager's had as well and you know, compare him maybe to you know, recent <laughs> recent occupants of that seat. But but I, I just want you all to know he's keeping me back right now. He's got a big, <laughs> big hand out saying, shut the fuck up. We're getting there later. Just calm but, down, man. <laughs> but I, I do think, and yeah, maybe some of this feeds off, off that, but I do think a lot of it is also coming from, from the stands and the, you know, kind of the, the, the atmosphere and the vibe. And that was there from, you know, from the Spartak, Oh, the Spartak game, the um, Shakhtar. Shakhtar game uh, in pre-season. You know, for a pre-season game, it's still really you know, kind of buzzy. So it's been there right the way through. And I, I really think that's that it's just nice. It's nice to go to the ground again. And that's, I'm sure the team helped with that. But I think actually some of that came first. And yeah. it's really positive. It's so true. And unfortunately, I'm now going to do to you what uh, guests do to their hosts. I'm going to have a little joke at your behalf. And uh, oh, okay. you said it's come from the stands. I think the Pete's and the John's and the Fred's and the Dave's and the Teresa's and the Mary's, they've all had a part as well. And sorry, that's just a terrible joke. Was that a joke? I, <laughs> I think it was. Oh, okay. Gareth's looking at me like I'm mad. I apologize. I'm going to go back to my guest seat. I thought it was funny. Anyway, but your, your point is absolutely bang on. It there, is. Aren't many, there aren't many stands in the ground anymore i don't think it's not it's sad i think we should uh, save our stands stand. that should be a campaign save <laughs> our stands <laughs> but anyway no but your point is very well made yes that that and and it's such an important part of the jigsaw that's come together and it is really gratifying and yeah you were telling us when you were at that friendly that you felt that everyone was ready to give it a go and get on just, board and yeah you know I mean, massive yeah it was just it was just buzzy it was it was nice it was a nice atmosphere around and um yeah i was on my own i had a real kind of walk around, you know, walked around the ground and everything, just kind of soaking it in. And it was, yeah, it was buzzy. buzzy Can I ask you a question on that? Because I think Mm. it is a really key point to everything and how the season started. Did you feel it was a sense of anticipation or relief that we were no longer in the place we had been for the last two years? We didn't know what place we were in at that point, did we? Because the ball hadn't been kicked. Mm. Um, So I think... Kate was still with us, wasn't he? There was still the question. Yeah, that was his his last game, wasn't it? Mm, So... um, but even actually the fact that the, how quickly people have got over that, there was a bit of you know, pissing and moaning immediately after it happened. But it, it hasn't rumbled on, has it? I mean, even no. even when it happened, I think most of the fans were on board with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think people were worried about what it meant. But I think most people were on board with it and weren't. It didn't, 
you know, if it happened a year earlier, I think I think all hell would have broken loose. Um, but any, but anyway, you know, in answer to your question, yeah, I think it was a bit of both. I think there was anticipation. I think there was a bit of excitement. I think you know, everyone knew that uh, Ange has got a reputation of playing good football, and I think that's what most of us wanted. And I think also, um, you know, in the way he carries himself, um, everyone you know took to him very very quickly, didn't they? So I think everyone was invested in him a lot earlier than maybe people expected. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously you were uh, talking about him quite a lot because as our regular listeners know you do your homework on this stuff the moment the news is attaching to us so you've done your homework but I know that my my uh my Ange homework uh, came that summer I think I've said this before uh, was when I was walking around the roof and two Celtic supporters just looked at me and Johnny and were like you've no idea who you've got he's just fucking excellent and uh, I was like oh wow this is you know that this is this is positive you know added to the goodwill but anyway so at this point are there any nagging concerns yeah, I'm just going to give a disclaimer here, and this isn't just specific to this section of the pod, or indeed this pod. This is probably all of my appearances on the, on this pod. Um, I'm involved in lots and lots of different gr- groups on WhatsApp and conversations about Spurs, and often I'm in ones where the tone of them are incredibly negative, and I'm the I and believe it or not, I am the voice of positivity on those ones. Fucking so, hell. My, yeah, my, my so <laughs> my God. role in <laughs> in nearly all Spurs Discord is to be that balance. So everything I say on this pod is just to kind of balance out your overt positivity a lot of the time. So I just want to drop that in here now and just just indulge me a little bit as I say this. But it's not it's not really a concern. It's more of a. It's Where more is this of, going? Yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. <laughs> I just think I think you could probably take each game in isolation and you could and you could apply an element of luck or things that have just rolled for us this year. Um, so I'm going to give you some examples. And so Man United, Fernandez scores that header. We're 1-0 down at halftime. Could be a very different story. I think that Sheffield United game, we actually created very lot, little in terms of shots on goal until we eventually scored in the 96th minute. Obviously, Liverpool, the big one with the offside. We've played what I would consider to be the four worst teams in the Premier League. It will be the four bottom teams at the end of the season. I mean, even Brentford on the first day, which we thought was quite a good draw to start with. You look at their results at home since then. They've lost at home to Everton and they've drawn with and they've drawn with Bournemouth so I can see that you could apply a bit of luck to our start at the moment however what I'd say is that whilst you can take all those things in isolation collectively when you look at the results collectively you can't get lucky over that amount of of, of time but all I'm saying is I, I think there'll be a point where the, where the coin doesn't flip on our side and or we don't quite get the rub of the green of things and we might play well and not get results mm. as a result of it so we might find that what we've seen at the moment might just balance out a little bit as we go through the season I mean I think I think with any run, there's always a, a bit of luck involved. I mean, that's the kind of the nature of football, isn't it? It's a low-scoring game, so luck is always going to be a decisive factor in in any result because, you know, on the whole, there aren't many goals scored. Sorry, it just occurred to me then, Gareth, as well, that, you know, maybe you're Eeyore to Steph's Tigger in... Um... I love that. I love both Eeyore and Tigger, by the I'm way. Not sure I what, I'm not both. sure what that makes me, but... Um... <laughs> I love them both. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Which character would you be in the 100 Acre Wood? It's a great question. Maybe we should ask people to write in. Maybe people can... People, if you've got any thoughts on who Milo is in the 100 Acre Wood, send your thoughts. I'd love to know because I, I'm, I'm actually genuinely stumped. Yeah, no, but I, I love that. I would be happy being either. I'd be happy being Al, surely. Gar- Milo's I am. Mm, very good call. Very good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. C- certainly not Piglet, I would say. Certainly not Piglet. <laughs> Christopher Robin, possibly. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, what great. I like that. I'm very proud. I love Tigger. Tigger was always one of my favourites, and I love Dior. By the way, I just want to point out that you just heard uh, the words from Gareth, uh, one of the, uh, apparently the optimist in, in many of his groups. <laughs> As he was saying that, it was, uh, I was chuckling to myself. But I understand I, what I, you're saying. You act as I a could tell you. I could tell you now, if at any point in the next <laughs> you know, year... I get uh, Gareth has added you to this group. I'm going to reject it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's good. Good stuff. But yeah, nagging concerns. Look, I mean, the only nagging concern is, um, you know, it, it's it's injuries. That's my only nagging concern. It's injuries and squad. Other than that, I have absolutely none. But if we have the personnel available for this manager to do what he needs to do week in week out, uh, uh, you know, I'm positively tiggering my way to the top. I'm bouncing in the hundred acre woods higher than any tree that's 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 there. No, I mean that's the truth. There's a pod title for you, isn't it? Tiggering your way to the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with you, Steph. I think like it's it's the it's the depth in certain positions, and I think we had a pretty good summer on the whole in the transfer market. You know maybe with you know a couple of exceptions to that but on the whole you're pretty good but it's a job half done or maybe a third done and um january is really difficult to sign decent players in um so i don't know how much you know strengthening we can do in was it 12 13 games time something like that um but yeah that's got to be the concern you know as we said as i said last week you know if we had the injuries at center back that we've got at left wing we'd be in real trouble Mm -hmm. real trouble We would be. I mean, we would be back to, uh, I mean, we would you know, have to utilise either Ashley Phillips or Eric Dyer. And look, as and much of a fan of Eric Dyer as I am, he clearly has no no place in, in, in this setup uh, and, other than and, an emergency. Uh, and, Phillips so is un- and Phillips is unknown. And Phillips is yeah. unknown. So yeah. anyway, let's just move on from yeah. that. So as good as our start's been, results-wise, it's not too dissimilar to last season. So last se- last year, we sat fourth after eight games, having won five, drawn two and lost one. And this season, we're three points better off, having won six and drawn two and lost none. So, and our goal difference at this point last season was nine. This year, it's ten. So, superficially, at least, they're quite similar in terms of you know kind of where we are in the league. What do you think is the difference between last year and this, Steph? Do you want to kick off? Yeah, let me find. I actually I, believe it or not. And made just a to, before you start, I just want to say yes, that mate. there's um, a coffee fine for every time you say dialectic or holistic. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I like being dialectic and holistic, though. Okay, all right. But no, I will attempt to not be dialectic. I'll attempt to be very direct and and one-sided. Are you going to posit anything? Oh, I'll posit many things to you. Don't worry. I love it. I, I, I like the fact that these words are sticking. They're, they're words that we need to see reintroduced into the English language, along with the ones that I make up during this pod, which I've already done once. Um, so is it, is it helpful to assess? I absolutely think it is. And I think there's got to be context in the games we've played so far as well. I mean, I was just uh, looking through the games we played at this point last season. I mean, Chelsea at that point where last season would have been considered... I suppose a key game, and we we got away with one there. We we drew, but other than that, up until this point, we hadn't really played anyone that you would consider troubling until we played Arsenal. We lost to Arsenal. Uh, you know, this season you have to look. We've played Man United, who at the time we played them, uh, remember, were you know considered to be one of the the top four candidates. Uh, we've played Arsenal and we played Liverpool. And we haven't lost the game. And so if you take the game we lost against Arsenal and then maybe compare it up and say, well, we beat Liverpool, I, I you know, it, it's... Uh. Yeah, I mean, it makes me laugh when people talk about the league league um, position of the teams we've beaten. You know, when you're top of the league, everyone's below you in the league. And, you know, that's kind of the, the situation but, you're in. So. But we've played, but we have played, uh, I think what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah. rather unclearly is that we've played a couple more of the big boys at this stage uh, this season than we had at this stage last season. So, and we're taking them on but, with our style of football. So I think that is, I think it does. Yeah, I think we're more than fair game to look at the table. Yeah. And, Any other differences, Steph? Between this year and last year, I mean, there's there's tons. Is this the point at which I should get into my? I think uh, that's what I'm trying to prompt you to. Congruence of a. <laughs> yeah, I think last season there was a tremendous disconnect uh, between uh, the the upper level, the board level, if you will, the chairman and so on, um, the coaching level, and the football squad. I think those are three areas of of, of a football club that are vital that they're on the same page. Do you, I don't feel they were. Do you think? Um, do you think that was evident at this point? of the season so when we think of eight games in um yes so i mean i would have said because i I would have said certainly if we took kind of pre pre pre-season so before we'd started the premier league i think most of us would have thought wouldn't have thought that was the case um you you raise an interesting point and this is one where i feel that there's somewhat of a this some of a self-confessional here i suppose i i realized uh in thinking about this episode and also in thinking about Ange and how i've gone with him and so on and and remembering how enthusiastic i have been about conte in the past i think i have to confess that i ignored certain truths of the antonio conte era in order to believe rather than uh, take on board what I was seeing in, in, in front of me. If I look at those games, uh, the, the Chelsea game away, I mean, uh, we were poor. Uh, the Wolves game at home, we were poor. I mean, we we never really played great football uh, and, and we weren't playing great football. So I, I think for me, I, I was lying to myself. I wanted to believe we had a manager who wins. And so as long as we got a trophy, it would justify anything I was seeing. But deep down, I could already see that I always, I mean, we used to talk about it here. I felt there was a disconnect between the transfers he wanted versus the transfers he was getting versus the club building for a future. There was just, there were too many pizzas that didn't make sense. And I think I'm guilty 
as a supporter of being too much of a supporter and not mm. recognizing that at the time. So, I mean, I, think... I mean, a certain amount of my enthusiasm uh, on last season, at, at this time last season, I blame on just blinding myself to reality, to be honest. I mean, I think, that, you know, the factor you've got to put into that is um, Petroni died you know, early October last year. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in, you know, if we took cast our minds back, we're kind of, what, you know, 10 days on or so from from him dying at you know the equivalent equivalent point last season obviously we spoke a lot about kind of the impact that had on mm-hmm. Conte and on, and on the sides I mean you could see it with the players as well and he, you know, he did appear to be very close to you know quite a few of the players um and I think um, it was we did talk about that and I think that was a, a straw that broke a very first start you know it's well it was leading to the straw that broke the camel's back with his own injury. But I think that was the beginning. And I think we talked about that, didn't we? We talked about the psychological effect that I felt he was having. But more than that, there was not a connection between the board and, and the manager to see it. And he wasn't, Conti wasn't allowing it to be seen. There was, it was such a strange, those disconnects, I don't feel are here now. I think if Ange suffered, I mean, I don't know, I'm getting into speculative areas here, which I know we don't like to do, but I just feel that Ange has a level of communication within the football club that he's, that he's all engaging. And I think we are, we are enjoying that, uh, that benefits so much. Sorry, Gareth, I will bring you in a minute. I was just going yeah, to say, I, I gonna say, say on, on, on Postacoglu, I think, yeah, I think he's a lot more rounded than Conte. I think Conte is, um, you know, he's just a bit, you know, a bit macho, isn't he? I mean, you talk about the Chelsea yeah. game. You know, it seems it seems crazy, doesn't it? It was a year ago that ridiculous handshake with, um, uh, you know, and Tuchel, yeah. with Tuchel, yeah. And yeah, you know, it, 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 it seems like a lifetime ago that that happened, and it's just it's... You know, just a year ago. And but I think Con, I think uh, Postacoglu um, would seek help probably in a way that Conte didn't. I think he would be able to talk yes. about it in a way that that Conte couldn't. Um, you know, he might. You know, accept that he needed a break or something in a way that I don't think Conte would. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, I'll point to my own blindness and my own somewhat hypocrisy. I remember talking about that handshake and, and, and reveling in it and enjoying it and like, oh, it's great and everything. Yet I'm the person who actually dislikes performative gestures and, and talk about it often uh, with, you know, I talked about it with Mourinho and we talk about it with Conte. So, you know, I, I look at myself as well at this point last season. I, I was trying blinding myself and to, to a lot of realities. And when Ventroni died, it was like, yeah, this is going to be amazing major effect for all the reasons you said is you know and it, and we saw how it all fell apart but yeah you're absolutely right uh, I, just it, doesn't he feel didn't did, i've got to ask you that, but did it not feel that strange to see conti like conti suddenly seemed so out of sync with modern football within a matter of months is that just my perception or yeah i think so i think you're reading things into it personally yeah, it's possible it's um, very possible i think um yeah, I mean, I think maybe yeah. When we come on to it, you know, if you if you, when you look at the data under under pinning how we right. played last season and played this, you know, played this season, you've got to look at what the game plan was, and yeah. you've kind of yeah. gone from extremes. But Gareth, what yeah. what, what's What's the difference between last year and this year to you? I, I suspect we're going to go in a bit of a different tra- track now. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just carrying on from contact, I think we were probably all a little bit blinded by how well we'd finished the season before. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah, might well have just been a little bit of surprise factor. So it was a team playing in a system that, well, no one, no other, it was a fairly unique system and we had fairly unique players playing in yeah, that well system, um, which I think helped us. So looking back at the start of last season, we beat Southampton at home on the opening day and that felt like it was just a continuation of the the previous season because we actually played mm-hmm. really well in that game but after that it was all a bit of a all a bit of a slog so the games that you've mentioned we won 2-0 up at Forest who were definitely a team that got better as the season progressed I think in, in hindsight it was a good time to be playing Forest we we really slogged out a draw at West Ham um even when we beat Leicester six two, I mean that story. That the story in that game was more about Sonny coming off the bench and scoring a, a hat trick rather than it. And we, and we knew that six two flattered us. In fact, the goal of the game was scored by was scored by James Madison. I was listening back. I tried to listen back to the pod that would have been recorded about this time a year ago. And I think it was just after we'd played Frankfurt in one of the Champions League games. So I guess that's a major difference in that we yeah. had midweeks then and everything was um, was concertina because of the World Cup break. So there were more midweek games than usual last year. And the, the conversation amongst, I think it was it was the pair of you and I think it was Ricky that was on as well. And you were talking about Conte 
Conte's reluctance to deviate away from his first 11 or first choice 11 with maybe one more and really felt that they were getting flogged by playing mm-hmm. midweeks. Um, I mean, Decky and Sonny, that was the sort of the one change that he was playing around with. Um, I mean, interestingly, it was you that said this, Milo, on, on that pod, you said that after Kane, you thought that then Dyer and Lloris were our most important players. And if anything wrong, went wrong with them, then mm. we'd be buggered. Um, so you kind of look at that. Well, it t- um, tells you a lot about how the manager set up his side. I mean, you just talked there. It's very interesting. You said that Decky and Sonny were the players being sort of swapped around. There's absolutely no concession to accommodating them both in the same side, it appears. And what you just said there about Dyer and Lloris is very interesting. Yeah, because, Milo, in fact, you, you said that Decky was the next most important player. Now, I think about it. So you kind of said Kane, Dyer, then Decky mm. after that was the was the most important player we got this world. I mean, just generally looking back at those results, at the start of last year which you said what we won won five drew two and lost one that the wins all felt very superficial it really felt like it was papering over the over the cracks and I think if we look back on that Conte era you know and 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 the bloke before that as well or the bloke two before that it was about winning so you went to a game if we won it was enjoyable if we didn't win it wasn't enjoyable it was it was as binary as that Um, and it does and if you come back to that last question about what's your nagging concern so just to emphasize something that I said last week as well my I guess my nagging concern is that we've started the season thinking about vibes and development and I just I think think the one downside to us continuing to be in the top or even if it's in the top three of the league is that it becomes slightly more about results than it does about development so you Mm -hmm. think the next home game against Fulham which is a game that people will anticipate that we win we may well still go into it top of the table and you think if that's nil-nil after an hour is there going to start being frustration that we're that we're not three goals up already i mean you heard that a bit actually against um against luton there was a little bit of unease wasn't there and i think i think liverpool as well there's frustration that we weren't rolling them over when they went down to nine mm. um yeah i mean it's very interesting just going back to that chelsea game i think one of the, the something i said last year was that i thought that tuchel had um had sussed out um Conte and had got the better of him I remember um, you saying that yeah. tactically and, and that he'd also laid a blueprint of how to beat us. And I think that's kind of what happened. And that's the difference, yeah. I think, between um, the run in of the previous season, although I think Tuchel got the better of him then as well. But um, I think once people found, because we only had one way to play, once teams sussed out how to, um, how to, how to um, counter it, how, how to uh, exploit it, um, we were stuffed. And I think that's you know true of Conte all the way through. I think that's why he doesn't tend to last very long in jobs. Um, and I think you know that's what we were seeing at this point last season. I mean, just briefly, just looking at the data, if you look at yeah, you know, I think we'd all recognise that we're a lot more expansive this year than we last that were last year. Last year we were looking to soak soak up pressure and hit teams on the break. This year we're looking to play higher up the pitch, dominate possession, turn over, you know, press and turn over the ball, and you know all of these things that you know certainly this year I think are, you know what we look for in a Spurs side build, you know, modern Spurs side because that's what is you know, attractive exciting football and you know if we look at the stats that they will back this up so you know possession last year this is average per 90 over um uh, at this point so possession last year 40, uh, 49.8% possession this year 61.4 regains in the final third of the pitch 4.4 per game last year 7.3 per game this year touches in the opposition box 23.6 last year, 42.6 this year. So yeah, nearly double wow. the number of touches of the opposition box per game. But Crikey. you know, but we're seeing this with our eyes, aren't we? When we're watching a game, yes. this is what we're seeing. Shots, 13.6 last year, 19.1 this year. Goals, 1.84 last year, 2.25. You know, we looked at the expected goal stuff earlier on. You know, we know that um, you know, we, we, you know the, the, the table maybe lied a little last year. Um, expected goals. I mean, this is an interesting one, but you know, we're, we're our expected goals both last year and this are under uh, our actual goals. But I think yeah, that's down to you know Kane and Son being exceptional finishers largely. Um, but expected goals last year one point five two, this year one point eight nine, uh, and then field field tilt, uh, uh, which is. Um, it's possession basically, but if you exclude the middle of the pitch, so it's, it's possession in the final third, your opponent's final third. Um, so last year forty three point one, this year sixty four point eight percent. So again, you know, it tells us exactly, you know, what we're seeing is that we're playing a lot higher at the pitch in the opposition uh, half. And just running through again, these are kind of some, some stats that Opta put out this week. If we look at, um, so this is just this season. 
Uh, and these are totals. So shots, 153. That's the first in the Premier League. Touched in the opposition box, 3.4. Oh, sorry, 341 first. Non-penalty goals, XG, uh, 15.1, third in the league. Successful passes in the attacking half, 2,159, second in the league. Successful passes in the final third, 1,192, first. Per... per Passes per defensive action. This is a test of how how you how, how you're pressing teams. Nine, which is first in the league, so pressing the most in the league according to these data. Shots uh, ending in, uh, for coming from high turnovers. Eighteen, which is second. Goals Brilliant. ending high turnovers. Th- three, which is second. Progressive carries six point eight five uh, six hundred eighty five, which is second. Tackles one hundred sixty second. You know, all and the way through. We're just like just what these statistics tell me again and this it contributes very much to why i think that the start we're having to this season is real and i'm not really many great fears of it uh, you know going away anytime mm. soon as long as we have the reinforcements is again as a human being you, you want to enjoy your job you want to enjoy your work you want to go in feeling happy to be at work and knowing you're going to be able to express yourself and uh, currently i don't think there's a footballer at our football club who doesn't feel the freedom and trust to express themselves and the numbers don't lie you're seeing it you just read out some spectacular statistics there and to me that tells me that we have players who are playing with joy not fear it's such a massive difference um you know that they, they, they seem to be uh you know, even when something weird happens in a game they react i mean take the arsenal match for example you know dodgy penalty or whatever you say about the penalty i mean i think we'd all have given it in the end if we're honest you know we go 2-1 down we immediately snap back immediately now you could say some of that is down to someone making a mistake in their own defensive uh you know back third we were there to force the mistake we were there to take advantage of it because we play without fear and on the front foot and they're enjoying our players and the recruitment as well has been fantastic in that regard we have very positive people at the club i think it's massive it's it's, you're talking about the penalties it reminds me of something i saw um i think it was espn put out a tweet this week saying that um if it wasn't for var liverpool would be top of the league and someone i saw a load of spurs people reply fans responding to them saying well hang on if it wasn't for VAR, Spurs, have, the two point games we've dropped points in this season, we had penalties given against us as a result of VAR. So you know, without <laughs> VAR, we're top of the league because we've won every game. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's, it's, and yeah, the, and but... Liverpool's goals still disallowed against us because of VAR. So, yeah, <laughs> you right. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I just that positivity thing, though, I think you're seeing the numbers you just read out, which uh, I haven't seen these numbers collated in such a way before. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to put these on any of our social media feeds. I, I, I would encourage you to do so because I think they're really eye opening. But they just show they show you this, the mentality of our football club right now. Right. I mean, they tell you everything. It's, it, that's why I'm not afraid. We might have already answered this. I think we've got a couple of questions here, which are broadly the same thing. It's just whether we're in a false position, you know, whether we're where we are on merit or are we overachieving? And, you know, is the league table that useful for kind of assessing where we are? Um, you know, that, that kind of whole picture. So, um, Gareth, do you think we're in a false position or? Um, I don't think we'll win the league at the end of the season. That's Eeyore talking again. Um, I think there's a good chance we're going to the next international window in four weeks' time. Still top of the league, though. Looking at our, our fixtures we've got and some of the games that our opponents play, and then suddenly you're 12 games into a season, so that's, what, nearly a nearly a third. Um, I would have thought by Christmas is when it will start catching up on us. But um, we've got we've got this massive advantage of not playing European games midweek, which is relative yeah. to our to to the other clubs that are going to be up there for most of the season. And so it's I mean, it's always like having a bit of a handicap. I, I you'd probably be better at this than the most of us, Milo. But I reckon you could probably add four or five points to your league tally as a result of not having to play midweeks. Yeah, I mean, maybe the comparison there. I mean, obviously, the, the two ones that spring to mind are the season that Leicester won the Premier League, both clubs that did it yeah. at our expense, Leicester and then um, Conte's Chelsea, uh, both managed to win the league not having European football. And certainly that Leicester side, I mean, they barely made a change all season, did they? I mean, everyone was pretty much fit all the way through. Um, yeah. And well, yeah, I was I was thinking about that team. That you you could name the 11. Season. Yeah, Schmeichel, Simpson, Huth, Morgan, Fuchs. Albrighton, Kante, um, Drinkwater, Mares, Vardy, and probably Ujara up front. It was the, pretty much the same eleven every week. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and nobody that, noticed them until February. 
No. Nobody took him seriously. But I mean, that's if we're looking for parallels, that's kind yeah. of what we've got to be looking at. Yes. Is, is those ones, isn't it? That's you know, and then mm-hmm. and then you're kind of hoping that City have an off off season. Mm, yeah, and and you know, and and Liverpool and Arsenal. I think the league's much stronger now than it was then. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the four or five points it's worth to us not being in Europe is big, but over the four or five or six points it might be worth to teams losing, then some suddenly becomes eight or nine point, and that an eight or nine point difference. Which I'm not going to be too Tigger esque here and say we're going to win the league by eight or nine points, but I think that if ever there's a season for us to sneak in and do something remarkable, uh, this is it's not be beyond the realms of possibility for us. Not go too far okay. down that path because we'll come back to that. I think, um, Gareth, your point about the league being stronger now than it was then, the point I would make actually is that I think us then are better than Arsenal now and Arsenal now are probably in occupying that point in the league that we were at then. I think, yeah, I think that kind of peak potch side, the side, the potch side that finished uh, you know, behind Chelsea and, and, and Leicester. Um, is better than the Arsenal side that finished second to City last year, you know, and, and that Arsenal side, you know, had had the the fortune of not playing in the Champions League, didn't they? So the the Premier League had an article on their website this week, um, looking at how teams who've been top of the league at this stage of the season have gone on to do. And as I said, that of the thirty one teams that have led at this point or this stage of the campaign, twelve have gone on to lift the Premier League tr- trophy or Premier League title, which is a success rate of thirty nine percent. Gareth, I know you've also looked at kind of how what well, our previous seasons when we've had good starts, so kind of comparable-ish seasons, and then how we've gone on to do. Um, how do we do those years? So the, the the obvious ones, working back chronologically, is the 2021 season, which was under Mourinho, when we had 17 mm. points and were second after eight games. And in fact, we then went top after we beat Man City in the next game. Um, what happened after? Oh, we stayed top for a few weeks. Remember, we drew at Chelsea, then we beat Arsenal right. at home before before Christmas or in sort of early December. And from then on, though, we only won two of our next ten games. And I suppose the, the, the you know the comparison there to what we were talking about last season with the Conte season was it did feel like a lot of those results were very superficial, and it felt like since we weren't winning, there wasn't much to there wasn't much substance behind the team after that. That um, was the then, time. That was the time when James, so our friend and ex ex podder on here, was uh, when his daughter was born, wasn't it? When we were top of the league under Mourinho, I think. Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. It was about the time that the pod started off. Yeah, um, yeah. Then we also had the well, what ended up being the it's Champions League final season. <laughs> Um, under under parts of the eighteen nineteen season when I think what we were called the undrawable, so we racked up a lot of points chiefly because we either won or we lost. But we at the start of the season we certainly won more than we lost. So we were third with eighteen points after after eight games, and I, th- I think for a whole host of reasons. After um, once we got into about February time, we really came off the rails. I think attentions just focused onto the Champions League games, so the league form became unsustainable. That was the year that City and Liverpool both ended up with about a hundred points anyway. Mm. So I think realistically, we were never gonna we were never gonna catch them. We got distracted. Um, then we also had the the post Bale AVB thirteen fourteen season, which I, I guess in, on, at surface level there are some similarities. We lost our talisman in the summer. We replaced him with lots of different players and and tried something else we started all right that year so we were um i think we were fifth but we were only a couple of points off top after eight games but then that all crashed and burned pretty quickly in a short space of time with that tonking at man city and then within three weeks we got beat at home by liverpool as well nice. uh, and you know he clearly didn't have the character or the personality that he could bring the squad and the fans with him mm. so that went that went down the an anxiety pretty quickly yeah. yeah, he was an anxiety bunny. Take the v, take the V out from the AVB. That's what he was, <laughs> do you, and that do spreads. You, do you think we can read much into those as comparisons? Do you think? I don't. No, I don't think so. Because I think for all the all the things we said right at the start of this pod, this feels very very different. And at the moment, it does feel that that macro climate around us is 
know, at this point in time, feels like it could be different this year. Um, but I think the expectations have have changed significantly. I I think in a you know, the space of about ten years, we've actually discovered what it was, what it is we want from our football club. Mm. We've seen us nearly re- achieve that utopia. Then we've seen us try and do the exact opposite way of doing that, and now we're coming out the other side. Whereas I th- I, th- I think you know up until uh, let's give him some credit up until the success we achieved under Pochettino in the middle of the twenty tens, mm. we didn't really know who we were or or what we wanted to achieve or how we wanted to achieve it. So I think anything up until that point um, probably feels a little bit empty to try and compare the two. I'd argue, I'd argue that the fans have always known what we wanted us to be. It's the chairman who loses sight, yeah. loses sight of that every so often. Two, two brilliant points, uh, but I think you've both made great points. And I think to your point, Gareth, uh, it, it is uh, interesting to look back at, at those seasons and also the journey of finding out what our football club is uh, via, as Milo says, the eyes of our chairman, who quite clearly always wanted a sporting director. We've talked about that many times on this pod. He tried it in the early 2000s. It, it blew up in his face uh, because of Chelsea nicking Frank Arneson and then he went on this sort of wilderness journey of trying to find the right fit like you know we, we talked about it many times you know you know football flowing you know and then like strict sort of like you know tactician and and I, I think what you're saying there about like we're coming out the other side of a 10-year journey if you take from beginning of AVB through to now I, I think is, is an invaluable um, uh, uh, point it really is and so uh, I've got to throw on to that. We have now more unity of thought than we've had at this club, arguably since Levy joined, because he's had his fingers well and truly burnt. I mean, he really has. He's had him burnt by AVB to a lesser extent. I don't think AVB was ever malicious. I just think it's who he is. Mourinho and Conti, they do it their way. And he thought that he could buy the ticket and he found out that for whatever reason, mixture of him and them, he couldn't. So I, 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 that's why I see this as being a different thing. And more than anything, this is the point I was going to make. Uh, I would love us to win the league. I, I, it doesn't, it's, un, it's not unimportant, but it's not as important as loving my football club and loving who we are and what we stand for and what we're doing and where we're going and seeing Ange Postacoglu call everyone in for a team photo from the fucking tea lady to the kit manager to the first team. That's what I want. And to answer a point that you had earlier, a fear of maybe, you know, where it could go, you know, we might end up wanting one nil wins to keep up high in the table. As long as everyone keeps sight of what we wanted at the beginning of this season, this season could end up being what we dreamt of. Do you know what I'm saying? You know where I'm going here. Mm. Someone articulate it better than me. I've left it. What I'm basically trying to say is if we all remember how we felt when Milo was walking around the stadium before Shakhtar, and if we all remember what we wanted for this season, and if we keep those as our parameters and the extent of them and our hopes and dreams of this season, I think they could self-fulfill to something bigger. I can't yeah. avoid the big dream. It's who I am. But I mean, as long I mean, as we realise there's no shame in not doing that, the biggest victory is what we're doing, right? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, How I think I think I think the thing to bear in mind is, you know, said earlier on, you know, that kind of that rebuild, that that you know, building a squad for Ange is a third done, and you know, half or a third done, and we know that. You know, when you look at the bench, there isn't, you know, there, there's, the drop-off is pretty big in most positions, you know, with the exception of maybe a handful of players. Um, yeah, we might be lucky again in that the academy has got some really good players in it now, and some of those might be ready sooner than we'd expected. Um, and that would be a huge help to us. If we could get, you know, two or three players from the academy to be squad members next year and uh, and help pad out the squad for for Europe, at least, that would be a huge, huge help, uh, and and um, and make the summer a lot easier. Um, but we do, we do need. I mean, I mean, realistically, I mean, we need a goalkeeper. We need two centre backs. We need a left, uh, a left back, possibly a right back. Certainly, one midfielder, a left winger. Yeah, that's I mean, that's bare minimum. I- out of interest with both of you, because I know you both, <clears throat> I mean, I watch the reserves from time to time, and but I know both of you uh, f- f- study this far more than, than, than I do on a regular basis. I mean, do you do you see any, I mean, Mikey Moore's been talked up, obviously Donnelly's been talked up. Uh, you know, do, are there players, well, yeah, so, I mean, I guess my question is, 
maybe you could tell us who you think can step into that gap and also can i ask you both to maybe look at and sorry to take over your chair for a moment mate but I, my natural in, inquisitive sense i knew really could interested to know, <laughs> i could have and i just found myself going uh, but i'm just interested to know from both of you like January, what's the minimum you think we could get away with in terms of squad strengthening and numbers in order to maintain a push? I mean, the second one first, I think bare minimum, we need three players in January. We need a central defender. We need a central midfielder, someone to cover Basuma. And we need, I mean, I think if we want, if we seriously wanted to push for the, um, for the for the title or push for the kind of you know, upper end of the table, then we need a left winger who's a guaranteed starter, a top top draw left winger who can go past a man um, and go both ways because that's the that's the massive gap in our squad that we don't have uh, to get the best out of Angie's system um, and then in terms of the academy I mean obviously Devine's out on uh, out on loan is doing quite well I think he'd be a useful squad player potentially uh, I'll watch him next week actually are you? Playing, oh, Paul Bailey playing at Stevenage so as long as, he's, as long as he's fit and available I'll be watching him live I, I kind of hope that Donnelly gets a loan in January so we can see how he does playing adult football and then we can you know first in football then we can make a you know that gives him a chance possibly I mean you I think you'd probably expect him to have another season out on loan to be ready but he's he's um developing so quickly at the moment it's very difficult to know you know how quickly how how, yeah, how much that can continue you got well if anyone's going to get a look in because of Santiago said, yeah Santiago yeah. but I'm thinking about kind of the next season more in terms of yeah kind of padding out a, champ, a European squad but so anyone who you wanted to do do that with I think needs to be out playing first first team football somewhere in the second half of this this season to be ready then should we mention um Dane Scarlett's gone out to Ipswich, who in theory is the next cab off the rank, isn't he, as a forward? Mm. But it's almost unfortunate because Ipswich felt like it was a good fit because of the way that Kieran McKenna wants them to play football. Um, but, um, but almost unfortunately for Scarlett, Ipswich have started so well. I th- they're, if they're not top, they're second at the moment with Leicester yeah. that he's not really getting a look in. Yeah, right. Well, let's kind of park our academy kids there because yeah, we, we, there'll be another chance for us to talk about... Um, about January signings and um, kind of squad building for next season, you know, as we get closer to January. Um, just finishing, this is why I keep saying park the conversation, park the conversation. And the, the final question was just going to be, could we? Could we do it? I mean, first of all, we're Tottenham Hotspur supporters. Uh, how can we ex- be expected to park a, such a, a massive, massive in, a point of enthusiastic positivity uh, throughout? We're, we're bristling with joy. We're happy at what's going on. Of course, we have to believe we can do it um, for all the reasons that we've provided evidentially uh, thus far in the pod. Um, you know, we are on the cusp of potentially witnessing a perfect storm. You know, other clubs saddled with uh with extra fixtures that you know in a couple of cases they haven't had for a season or two especially in arsenal's case um man city seeming to hit some form issues with key players and and certainly missing a couple of very important players for long stretches of time and possibly not having replaced a key player or two that have moved on um you know we'll need luck uh and but we have everything else in place so why can't we and as Ange said, when asked about this, and it's one of my favorite quotes from him, and I'm going to not even try and, uh, and quote him directly, I'm going to paraphrase. He basically said, of course you should dream. What's the fucking point of football if you don't? So in, in, the, in the fearless, uh, calm, but positive mentality of our manager, yes, we can. Gareth, bring us back down to earth. <laughs> um, well, no, I'm probably not going to, actually. I'd say, the, in summary, the thing that all of those previous seasons that we were comparing this year against have in common is that, I mean, last year was the only year, year since we've been podding, but generally the conversation has always been, look, we're getting results at the moment. We're not playing particularly well. Could we go on and you know, you know, win the league? Could we go on and do really well? And I think that the dilemma everyone always had in those positions is, well, what happens? One of two things are going to happen. We're either going to now keep getting the results but start playing better mm. or we're going to fall off the cliff so the, the results will eventually match the performances. So I, I think having looked back at those four particular seasons in future, whether it's Spurs or when it's the end of the team, if they're achieving results that maybe don't feel sustainable because of the level of performance, mm. you can guarantee the next thing that's going to happen is that the results will then fall off a cliff, which is different from this year. So that's why I think it's difficult to predict. Um, I would say our target 
what for me the target at the start of the season if you're going to finish in the top four um, is to get about 72 points and I think at the moment that should be our target it should be to get into the middle of the 70s I think we've got a squad mm-hmm. that is that is capable in, of achieving and racking up that number of points and then I, I think go with that and see what happens see what happens with the madness around us in the um in, in the wider climate after that so um i think us getting achieving that sort of hall of points is one thing and i think it it, it is far more achievable than i thought it would be at the start of the year mm. um how everyone else does whether you know city have a drop off because they they could well end up being just quite battle weary this year think of all the effort they put in over the last couple of years to you know win the treble last year to see off liverpool a team that was getting 90 plus points for a few years before that it, it it might just be the year we can't control that apart from the two games when we play against them we've got absolutely no control over that whatsoever so we can only control our own destiny to a point and um, I think for us to get 70 in the 70s this year would be a really really good season and mm. if the focus is on that then I, I don't think we'll go too far wrong and whether that means we finish first or sixth at the end of the year I, th- I think we'll all be in a really really good place yeah I suppose I mean the question probably is whether you know what's going on with City at the moment is whether this is Pep working out how to how to structure his team I mean he seems to do this most seasons and they they have a slowish Mm. start and then he tweaks something it clicks and then they go on a remarkable run and it's what we don't know is whether they're about to do that or whether this is one of their off years that they have every kind of four or five years that's it. And their domestic results, they've lost three and they've all been, since Rodri's been suspended as mm-hmm. well. So well, Rodri and De Bruyne, I think that, you know, that line of creativity to Haaland. But as you said, we can't control that and not really bothered about them. But one thing you did say that, well, I mean, I am bothered about them, but not for us. Uh, but one thing you said that I thought was interesting was that there should be a target uh, of, of certain points, which uh, I, I don't know if that's the phrase. But if we're going to employ the phrase of what is what is the target for me personally, I want the target to be exactly what it has been thus far this season, which is for us to continue to learn every 90 minutes and for our manager to have the bravery to continue which I think is 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 cut is nailed on he's going to be that to continue to be brave enough to let them learn every 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 100 minutes we should say um regardless of how much further the season goes with us in this uh, ascendant position uh that would be my true target is that he continues to have the bravery to to, to let them sort things out within the framework he's put in place uh, it's mean, just wonderful to see I mean, wonderful wonderful I, mean, I, th- I think that's a given i mean that's how he's managed Thank everywhere God. he's always said he's not going to change that so i don't think that'll ever change i think he's always going to trust players he's always going to try and um, you know, trust players that, you know, bringing them in and he's always going to play attacking football. You know, the only time we've really seen him lose it, um, with the players this season has been when they haven't done that. I think it's, he, he you know, gets frustrated yeah. when, um, when we revert into some of the bad old habits. You know, I think, um, he, he had a go at, uh, Hoybier for, for, for kicking it long, didn't he, on one occasion. And, yeah. um, you know, when we've dropped mm. back or when we're, yeah. So I think, I don't think that's going to change. I, you Which know, is and, so and, good. And in terms of, you know, could we? Yeah, we could. We could. It, re- it re- requires some other teams to to um, to stuff up, but most of those have done that so far. Uh, it requires a bit of luck with injuries, um, and maybe you know getting the right players in January and them hitting the ground running. But all the players in the summer hit the ground running. Um, I don't know. You know, I think if you're giving it odds, you'd probably say what maximum of thirty percent chance of it happening, something like that, from this position. I would have thought, but that, I think that it's back, the, it's back but, to but, that stat, isn't it? But yeah. but a one in three chance comes in quite frequently, so yeah, it could happen. I mean, plus you have to add the Harry Kane factor. The f- the f- <laughs> first season he leaves. You know that, that I don't know now. But, I'm getting but all I mean, I think woozy, this is, woozy, but you know, be when we talk it? about <laughs> when we talk about things that are different. I, you know, I think that collective approach that we've got, which is one of the reasons why we're so good, would yeah. be impossible with him still here because they would be Absolutely. deferring to him, and he, yeah. we wouldn't be able to play this aggressive front foot football to the same degree with him in the team because he can't run like that constantly. So I think I think him going was really important for this to happen, and. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm personally speaking. I don't like pl- teams with star players in them. I like, I like you know, kind of a, you know more equal balance across the team. Is that, you know, if you hold on to players and a team matures and, and players continue to develop, then you know we all almost end up in that position by accident, didn't we? We didn't go out and buy these star players. We kind of we built them and then they hung around. Um, but yeah, I, I prefer a younger team. I prefer a, a more equal balanced team. I prefer kind of everyone mucking in together and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this season enjoying it so much and I think 
I think it's harder to play against because, you know, last year, if you stop Kane, you stop us. Or the last four years, you stop yeah. Kane, you stop us. You can't do that now. Yeah, I mean, I'll posit uh, this dialectic uh, <laughs> approach to what you've just said because I think there are two truths to that. I think everyone um, would be quite right in saying, hey, if you had Madison, Kane and Son, my God, if Kane sticks at number nine and he just sticks around the box, he's going to get a hat full of goals and so on and so forth. But equally, as you've just said, you know, there's a whole method of football that has caused us to play the way we're playing and, and would Harry have been able to fit into it? And I, it comes back to the fact it was the perfect time for that to happen. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, again, as a club, to make the spiritual evolution that we have as, as a football club from boardroom to, to, to coaching to, to squad, it was important to say goodbye. It was I, I, and because life does move on and it was the perfect moment for it to move on as we've seen yeah I mean I think just as a, as a football decision we couldn't we couldn't be playing the football we're playing with him in it because yeah because teams would defend differently against us because yes, he doesn't I, offer, I, he doesn't offer the threat in behind so yeah. and you know he would be dropping deep you know it just it just wouldn't it wouldn't work so yeah I mean, he's a good player but I think I think it, I think just as a football decision it was right right for him to go so I think in summary to that we're saying we could. I think that's what we're saying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But we need a stroke, a stroke of luck. Well, I think that's absolutely what a good, right. What a good place to wrap that up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and um, if we don't, let's just kind of bury this pod and pretend it never happened and never mm. mention it again. Well, I've got so many things I want to say, but yeah, I understand what you mean. But hey, you know, it's fun though. It's fun. What a fun pod to be able to put together. Thanks, Tigger. Now let's move on to the week that was. (laughs) Steph, do you want to take uh, Player and Manager of the Month? Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, I shall. Um, Because Son Young-Min and Ange Postacoglu have been named as Premier League Player and Manager of the Month. Uh, This makes Ange the first ever manager to win manager of the month for their first two months as a premier league manager and we become the first ever club to win both awards in consecutive months don't let anyone ever say we don't win trophies um but it's not really fair on anyone else right now is it yeah i mean i think if he wins it three times shouldn't they just you know on the trot they should just retire the trophy or you know name it the postacoglu award or something and they should give us an extra five points i think if he wins (sighs) it three months on the trot right (laughs) That would be fair, wouldn't it? Well, if he wins it three months in the trot, we probably won't need it, will we? Because we'll have the points already. So <laughs> There you go. Very good. Gareth, are you bowled over by these? He's stunned into silence by the uh, by the joy he's feeling over this. I can see it in his face. No, I was just checking the notes to see what I was reading next. That was the... the <laughs> oh, um... don't... oh, no, <laughs> no. no. Is there any joy, Eeyore? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, we won yeah, yeah. twice well, in a row. Yeah, it I... means it's all going to go wrong. Come on. <laughs> no, it doesn't. On. It, it doesn't mean that at all. We've, we've discussed this many times before, this uh, manager of the month curse myth, which, which yeah, just doesn't exist. If we don't win the next game, it won't be because Ange has got manager of the month. But it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's a good thing. I, I've been holding off, actually, ever talking about this. There's something called the, the Curse of Sports Illustrated, which is exactly the same thing. It happens in the States where an athlete gets put on the front, front cover of um Sports Illustrated, and then their form dips below that. And the reason for it is just return to mean, basically. So um, players tend to get, or players or managers tend to get recognised when they exceed expectations. And if you're exceeding expectations, then by nature you're likely to return back to your your average performance afterwards, uh, which probably doesn't bode very well from the discussion we've just had for mm-hmm. the previous hour. <laughs> but um, that's yeah. You know, when people talk about the curse of Player of the Month or curse of Manager of the Month, it's because They've exceeded what people were expecting. That's why they've got the award, and then their form their, their form has dipped to to their average, and and then everyone thinks that that's you know there's a, a false um, uh, causality that people see. Yeah, that's it. We went through the whole of the nineties without one of our managers ever getting manager of the month on one occasion. And look how well we did then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gareth, do you want to take the next one? Should we I move would on? do. Yeah, that's it. very much into into the present. Um, Johan Langer, as we discussed on the pod last week, Johan Langer has joined the club as our new technical director. The 43-year-old will start his role on November the 1st and effectively succeeds Fabio Paratici, although rumours suggest that Paratici will continue in his consultancy role that he carried out during the summer. Langer will report to our new chief football officer, Scott Munn, and will re- and will be responsible for recruitment, analytics, and talent ID across our senior and academy side. 
sides. We are said to still be planning to bring in a new chief scout to work under Langer following the departure of Leonardo Gabonini last month. Um, there's a bullet point where I suspect there was once a question, so I'm going to put my own question in here, um, which is, what do you think about Johan Langer, the prospects of him joining Spurs? Well, I'm pleased we filled the position. I mean, we we had a brief chat about him last week, didn't we? And I kind of shared some of what I'd been reading up on him and that, you know, he's data, you know, very keen on using data, built a, a, a decent data team at Villa. Um, he also rebuilt the scouting network there. I think actually the chief scout he brought in, I've forgotten his name now, but um, the chief scout he brought in there had worked for us previously. Um, so I do wonder whether he might be heading back to us. Um, he's quiet, unassuming, doesn't, doesn't look for the spotlight, which again, I think were qualities that we were looking for. Um, I think he looks like a pretty good fit. And, um, you know, we'd made huge strides on the data side, you know, this summer. And um, if we're building on that success, then, you know, he brings in other people to kind of supplement that. Again, this is kind of all the stuff that I've wanted for the club for a long time. I think taking a more um, kind of evidence-based approach to recruitment is great. Um, I'm really happy with that. And I think the other thing actually is just with him having that slightly more narrow brief than Paratici before. Um, so just, you know, purely on the kind of the recruitment analytics and talent ID, um, I think it's good. You know, obviously Munn's taken o- over the other half of uh, Paratici's um, brief. Um, but I think that's really encouraging. I'm, yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think <clears throat> the work at Villa in the last uh, couple of years especially has been uh, pretty progressive. I don't think anybody expected them to be where they are right now. Um, and again, it just it goes back to the fact we're congruent as a football club. The chairman is working with the, you know, with Scott Munn. This is obviously a Scott Munn appointment. It's it, it, I, I enjoy seeing the congruence that that's so important it seems to fit with everything we're doing um and, and that's as important as anything you know uh, i i do love i do love that line uh rumors suggest that Paratici will continue in his consultancy role that he carried out during the summer. And again, I have to revel a little bit in my own hypocrisy here. Uh, if you'd have read that sentence to me in the summer, I'd have been effing and blinding. But now, sort of, you know, sort of quite happy to think that the, 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 the terrible suited one will be like lurking the corridors, dropping a hint here and there and a wink and a nod. I don't mind that blend, actually. I don't mind no. like, having people who are taking a more evidence-based approach and then Paratici kind of on his phone saying... I've heard this player is available at a decent price or, you know, he's obviously got a decent yeah. eye for a player as well, hasn't he? If you look at um, some, some of the younger players you've brought in, you know, Saar and, and, and Udogi, you know, both. Jesus um, Christ, he's got 2020 yeah. vision. Yeah. I mean, yes, So, so you know, it, it, even if he's a kind of glorified scout, um, kind of working his contacts and stuff, that's that's worth having around. So are we to assume that Johan Langer spots them and and passes and makes the dinner invitations and Fabio goes in for the full for the full contact social to get them no. across the line? No, <laughs> no, no, I think no. almost the opposite. I think Paratici's got the contacts and invites them in, and then Langer goes and works out what type there of potatoes go. they traditionally eat with protein and we'll put all the numbers to it there was a there was, there was a good conversation on um Great yeah, I, I don't I know where it. i was going with that one i, I loved it in, carry on I got, I got lost in the detail a little bit there was a good conversation on another pod last week in fact it was um it was spookies who i know that you you talk mm-hmm. to milo every now yeah, and then good. but his guest last week who came from a recruitment perspective was really saying that within recruitment you get two different types of approaches so you get people who have got the multiple contacts um and then you've got the people People who have applied the science and the the analysis to the recruitment, so it becomes very data driven. And if you can combine the two of them, which is exactly what you both just said now, then yeah. you've you've really got the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think win the league. I think the use of data. I think Ange said this, didn't he, at the um, um, fan forum, the fan forum thing, where he's saying it actually it helps you sift through players. So you know, you've got the databases. There's hundreds of thousands of players on these databases. Yeah, you know, and they've, you've got mm. obviously data on all of them. You're looking for a profile of player, and what it means is you can you can sift hundreds of players or thousands of players down to tens, and then it's manageable for you to to scout them. And you know that's why we've got video scouts as well. You can you know the, all of that you know 
um, you know, video is there on all of those players. You've got those games available to you. So they can narrow down that list from, you know, thousands down to tens. The video scouts can look at that and narrow it down further. And then you're, you're looking at, you know, a smaller group and you can cut out all the hard work. So, you know, that's one yeah. of the reasons why data is so useful. And, that, you know, we saw that this summer where, you know, um, you know, if you look at Ficario, you know, we were going for Raya. Raya's uh, priced out of a move to us. You know, we, we look at, you know, we've done the analysis. We've got, we've got, our list of you know, I don't know five keepers or whatever it is we go to two on the list and you can say right okay rather than paying you know, 30 you know 40, 30 40 million for him we can go and get him for for 17 yeah. and and you know that's the yeah. use of it and the trust of the manager is so important in this i mean he clearly trusts everyone involved at, in their you know roles at the club he clearly trusts them and i think that's such an important thing there's just no doubt in his mind at all that you know he's getting great information and he doesn't second guess it or question it and he leaves people to get on with their jobs he doesn't try and interfere in every single uh, element uh, i i don't think that that can be over uh, un, un, that can't be underestimated enough uh, yeah i mean i think he's over everything he's certainly working with people but he le- you know he leaves them to get on with their job but i think he's yes. he's he's interested in all the details and i suspect that if there was a part of the club that wasn't operating well uh, he'd make it clear that he was unhappy with it but um, no. absolutely so with any director of football or person in that position you probably judge them on their legacy rather than anything they're doing in the here and now so it's you've got to look at the long-term picture we're only now starting to appreciate what Paratici I was did say, 12 yeah. months ago aren't we yeah you only have to look at what everyone thought about Paratici six months ago <laughs> to see how quickly <laughs> these things can change yeah good point <laughs> sorry thanks lads that was fun cheers Milo thanks mate <laughs> so we'll be back a day later than normal next week because we're playing Fulham on Monday night. Um, so we'll be recording immediately after that and then release the pod later that evening. So yeah, we'll be out on Monday night, Tuesday morning next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you then. Bye.